Hey guys, this is Steve. This is episode number one, three, two. This is a very different episode. It's probably the shortest one we've ever done, but one of the funner ones we've ever done. By way of background, I was listening to a podcast recently, a very good one. It was a Freakonomics podcast, and the title was something on the order of what would the world be like if we did away with traffic lights? Now, for those of you who have a large road department or dealing with some of the struggles of managing road, managing traffic, this is a really good podcast because it's going to open your eyes to something very different, Um, something usable, something provable to reduce traffic fatalities by 90% improve the efficiency of the road by 40%, and uh, to give your community opportunities for art and greening and all kinds of fun projects along with that. We go all the way across the pond to England to talk to Kevin Beresford, and I'll give you a little bit of a hint what we're going to talk about. His nickname is Lord of the Rings. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. You know, each week we interview either a city manager, deputy city manager, or somebody up in uh, city or county government. But we're going to do something very different today. Uh, we're going to go all the way across the pond, as they say, to England. And Uh, The genesis of this interview comes from a podcast, another podcast I was listening to, one of my favorites. If you've not done so, the Freakonomics, the series of podcasts they have from book reviews to just regular interviews, fantastic. So I saw the headline of this podcast and I was immediately intrigued. And here's what the headline said, something to the order of what would a world without traffic lights be like? And as I say that, and you're listening, your brain probably goes where my brain went, which is, oh my gosh, it's Lord of the Flies out there. It's going to be chaos, uh, dogs and cats living together, uh, you know, end of world stuff, right? People will be T-boning each other. Well, our guest is, uh, his nickname, and I love this, if you're a a J.R.R. Tolkien fan, his, his nickname is the Lord of the Rings, if that'll give you a little bit of a hint. Kevin Beresford, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Dol Kev. My privilege. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, so why do you want to do away with traffic lights? What's, what, what do you have against traffic lights? I think what, what you just said, that question that was posed, you know, what would we do if we didn't have traffic lights? Well, to me, that would make the world a lot safer, a lot greener and a lot more efficient, because there's nothing more efficient of filtering traffic than the roundabouts. And uh, we have them all over, well, they're all over the world, except America and in England. We just can't get our heads around why you don't want a more efficient way of filtering traffic, a more greener, and above all, a more uh, safer way of filtering traffic. I mean, there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of research being done in your country, in America, to try and install the roundabout as opposed to traffic lights. And the research has come up with, if a roundabout is installed over traffic lights, there's a reduction in fatalities of 90%. So 
So straight away, if that was to happen, uh, you'd be saving people's lives. And uh, I mean, how important is that? And and the beauty of a, a roundabout is they attract all the the insects, the bees. That are that are like green. I mean, the traffic light doesn't attract a bee, does it? It's so important now, from a green point of view, to entice all the all the insects and the bees. A roundabout gives any local council brimming with a degree of civic pride a perfect opportunity to plunk a garden in the middle of a, a road junction. How green is that? That's really cool. So let's let's break it down a little bit. So you're a big fan of roundabouts. You guys produce, you have the Roundabout Appreciation Society, of which you are the 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 lord and ruler of, right? That's why we call you the Lord of the Rings. Yes. Um Let's talk about safety first. What, you know, your first thought, you're not familiar with roundabouts, right? You go, hey, at a stoplight, I stop, I wait, I let everybody go by. A roundabout is, is a little bit of Lord of the Flies, right? We got to compete to get in there. But why why are they safer? I think with your four-way intersections, the fatalities come from uh, head-on collisions. If you take a roundabout, everyone's going in the same direction, are they not? So then it's a lot slower. Because to go to navigate a roundabout, you can't go fast. You're, you're doing a slower trajectory, uh, and the fact that uh, I mean, any accident on a roundabout is probably a, a rear shunt or a, a swipe, a side swipe. It's the head-on collisions. That's where you get all your fatalities. So the head-on collision and the t-boning. Uh, yeah, so in, a, in a roundabout, at best you have fender benders. Yeah, yeah, you got that. But uh, the fact that everyone travels in the right direction, it's a bit like a motorway, is it not? Uh, there's less accidents on a motorway because everyone's heading in the right direction. It's when everyone's coming in a cross direction. That's where your fatalities occur. In roundabouts, you never get that. And and so so it's the it's the, we're all going in the same direction. It, we're merged. You may have a kind of a side a, a little bit of a bump. And did you did I hear you right? A ninety percent reduction 90%. in fatal accidents. Those are your figures in America. Those are your figures from the research that's been done. And as regards uh, being greener, there's 40% less fuel emissions uh, when a roundabout's installed as opposed to traffic lights. So you're not just sitting at the light waiting for the next thing. Everybody's constantly moving. If being at an intersection, there's nobody around, but you still have to wait for these lights. Well, <laughs> you, said something, you said something on the pod I was really intrigued about that, and, and maybe um, uh, Dubner said it, which is that traffic's lights are designed and intersections are designed for peak traffic which only occurs 10 to 20 percent of the time depending on where you are assuming you're not in downtown chicago downtown new york which are 24-hour cities but most traffic lights are designed just for peak traffic and that's when they're efficient 10 percent of the time but every other time they're hugely inefficient because people are sitting there waiting when they don't have to yeah and it's it's infuriating is it not when there's no traffic at all and you're just sitting there, just twiddling your fingers on your steering wheel thing. Well, well, why am I waiting here? If this was a roundabout, everyone would be just going, moving, constant moving. So it is a more efficient way, and it's been proved. Uh, in America, it's been proved it's a more efficient way of filtering traffic as opposed to traffic lights. And 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 the last so that that has a a an environmental impact, not just a convenience impact, but it's an environmental impact of say people aren't sitting at traffic lights, is not less pollution, less burning of fuel, all those kind of things. You also throw in another environmental positive because you know in Florida, 
We have a, we have a real problem with water. Okay, every there's water everywhere. Florida is a, a Spanish word that means dredge the swamp. <laughs> and uh, uh, for those listeners who don't know, that's completely untrue. It means the little flower, but the little flower is <laughs> a big giant swamp. And so we've got water issues. So another thought was when you build these roundabouts, that gives you areas for water to percolate back into the system, recharge the aquifer, et cetera. But you guys also talk about planting trees, planting gardens, uh, and other aspects in the center of the roundabouts. Yeah, at the moment, the trend now is to have wildflowers, meadow flowers, we call them. Uh, landscape gardens, like neatly cut lawns, manicured lawns, they're out now, they're out of fashion. We want to attract the bees and the insects. It's so important for our little bit to save the planet. And who's going to argue against that with me at the moment? Who's going to argue about saving? Well, listen, and you guys are the ones to blame for all this grass. You know, we we have grass here because we wanted to be just like in London, right? You know, the other states with the nicely cut grass. So we blame you, you know, uh, but you're right. I, I Making them, you know, have pollinator uh, gardens in the center. But also, <laughs> and I love this, you guys produce an annual calendar. Uh, of beautiful roundabouts. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's that that's an intriguing aspect to beautifying your city. Yeah, but we're, we're, you see, initially, uh, I live in a town uh, called Redditch, and we wanted to come up with a calendar that was unique. Uh, we're going back to 2003 now. So we we thought, what what's Redditch famous for? It's a new town. Uh, we've got a copious amount of roundabouts. Let's make a calendar of roundabouts. And it went viral. We call it viral now, but it just shot up like a skyrocket. And we sold this roundabouts of Redditch all around the world. It's quite amusing, really. Uh, well, it then, reminds me of that old poster, the uh, Doors of London, uh, Doors of uh, Ireland, you know, uh, that just kind of somebody oh, did yeah, it on work and they went wild. Or the priests. Do you ever see the priest's calendar with the hot priests? I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Someone who was raised Catholic, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We never expected it to be uh, such a great success. And that's what got me interested in, in roundabouts. I started to look at roundabouts in a different light, uh, the, the very look of them. The fact that they're so expressive, you can put anything on a roundabout. I've seen fountains, statues, trains, boats, planes. In Yorkshire, in England, they've got a working windmill that actually produces flour. Can you believe that? And that's, that sums everything up. Anything can go on a roundabout. They lift our sagging spirits on long, tiresome journeys with their infinite colour and variety and inventiveness. I mean, the fact that you can put anything on a roundabout, I mean, speaks volumes. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand America. The, the skies are limited. Imagine if it was, like, I don't know, a roundabout in Detroit. You'd have like a card on it or, or a, a Motown giant record. The sky's the limit when it comes to design. Well, and, and, and you and, and, and the the... the... Cover of this this year's. If anybody wants to order the 2024 roundabout calendar, on the cover is a uh, roundabout in Bend, Oregon. Oh, you're on about the uh, roundabouts of the world. I was talking about the best of British roundabouts. Yeah, I've got the uh, I've got the actual I've got the actual thing. I mean, that's uh, Bend in Oregon. So, so just uh, I'll tell I'll tell the audience what you're what you're showing me is it's a really cool. And, and if you're you're at your computer, Google. Uh, Bend, Oregon, uh, Oregon, uh, roundabout, and you'll see this beautiful sculpture. And what is Bend famous for? It's famous for its outdoor activities. So the art is a kayak 
like windmill kind of display with kayaks all over it as art. And it's actually quite cool, but it also brands the city, right? You arrive in Bend, you see this roundabout, you're one more time reminded of, of what makes Bend unique uh, yes. and interesting. Uh, yes. So like you said, in, 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 in Detroit, they could put up roundabouts and honor the history of rock and roll and Motown there or the automotive industry there. Yeah. You put an old Cadillac, uh, you know, we have in Florida a large number of military bases, I think over 22 military installations, mm -hmm. uh, and some I, I did see a roundabout uh, in uh, Pensacola area, which has Eglin Air Force Base, with an old fighter jet. You know, they, they gutted it and put it in the roundabout. Kind of cool. We have a few, uh, in, in Birmingham, where I was born, we have a Spitfire Island, where there's three soaring Spitfires on the roundabout, because it's close to the Jaguar plans. Now, the Jaguar plant during World War II produced 18,000 hurricanes and spitfires. And, and that's the case in point, the fact that it can reflect the local area, uh, these uh, roundabouts. You can put uh, artwork on them or what was it, the local industry. If it was a mining town, you could have an old mine, mining wheel at the top. We get a lot of that in, in England. They reflect what was going on in that particular town over the years. That's what makes them so special, so beautiful, they're so expressive. But okay, this, so this, so let's walk through it. They're safer. They're safer. They're better for the environment in two ways. One, they reduce static traffic where people are idling and, and burning fuel and costing money. They're more efficient. They move traffic quicker. Uh, and they can be used as great centers of art and inspiration for the community. All right. Why don't we have 8 billion roundabouts uh, in, in, let's just say, in anywhere in America or in Florida? What's what's the resistance factor to roundabouts? That's the $48,000 question. Is it so strange? Because uh, innovation-wise, America good on it, everything like that. But for some reason, uh, it, it could be um, the National Lampoon's holiday with Chevy Chase. I don't know if you ever saw that. He got stuck on a roundabout in England. And he it was, was big going round and round and round. There's Big Ben. And I think that stuck in, that stuck in the American psyche. <laughs> and also Homer Simpson, he was stuck on the roundabout. He ran our queen over in the, in the end. Well, so, so what's interesting about roundabouts, and, and you guys cited a study that said if you, if you poll a community before and you got an intersection, you poll a community, 85% of people are reluctant to do a roundabout. And I have a theory about yeah. that I want to run by you. And then after yeah. they're installed, like 90% love it. And so it's it's yes. is it just a lack of familiarity. It's easier to put a, a, a four-way intersection, put a light up and move on. Uh, because it's once the they're installed, people the like unknown, it. Isn't it. It's the fear of the unknown for, for some reason. I mean, the most basic rule is you yield from the traffic coming from the left, and that's it, really, at the end of the day. You just have to yield traffic coming from the, from the left. In England, we have to yield to the traffic coming from the right. And that's it. I mean, much of a much of a system is quite simple at the end of the day. So the so it's it's it is just a perception, or is this, we've always done it this way. We're going to continue to do it this way because if I'm a planner, you know, the the one thing you got to love about planners, traffic planners in particular, they seem um, an, a, almost a, almost agnostic or indifferent to the human condition. Right? They're engineers. Yeah. And you would think the engineers would be saying, oh, this is so much better, but it does take more land, right? 
And if you've already got, and, and, and this is something we talked about, we've already got an intersection. It's expensive to convert. But it, it, is it cheaper or more expensive to build a roundabout versus a, a four-way regular intersection? It's definitely cheaper to maintain a, a roundabout. I mean, the thing with uh, uh, traffic lights, uh, they can go wrong for a start and they can break down. So somebody has to maintain that. If that roundabout was just a, say, just a piece of grass, or even just to mow it every now and again, or leave it long, because that's the fashion at the moment, leave the grass a bit longer this time around. So they're cheaper to maintain than traffic. So it's the upfront cost. So if you're looking at the next quarter and your costs, you're going to go with the four-way because it's cheaper and easier on the front end because you got to get land, you got to do more engineering. But once it's in, it's like you said, it's, there's very little to do. But what about the cost of all those human lives? And even if they're not uh, fatalities, they're injured, they have to go to hospital. All that is cost, 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 isn't it? If, if my research or your research is correct, you'd save people's lives. So straight away, you're going to be saving on hospitals and, and all sorts, ambulances. And if you think in the long term. But nobody nobody thinks like that. Nobody puts down into the budget. They say this will be the cost. We're, we're building a new road. We're going, this will be the cost for the roundabout versus an intersection. Nobody says, well, by the way, we need to factor in the cost of human life. That that doesn't make it into the into the, into the the city or the county budget, does it? No, it doesn't, but it should be a deal breaker at the end of the day. If you're putting something in a traffic system that's going to save hundreds, well, in America's case, thousands and thousands of lives if roundabouts are installed. Wouldn't you get over that fear of the unknown? And it's not much to fear, really, is it? If the entire world's doing it, why, why is America out of step if the whole of Europe? I mean, Britain has 25,000. We're such a small uh, island. France is over 35,000, yeah? Uh, and... In, in Australia, now listen to this, in Australia, their houses of parliament are on a roundabout in Canberra. And in New Zealand, the national cricket ground is on a roundabout. So all these amazing things that you can put on a road. It's the aesthetic quality that's so so pleasing to the eye. It's eye candy, really, a roundabout. But it's the safety aspect, as you say, the efficiency. So uh, what's interesting about it, too, is... So if you look at countries like France that you just described, Australia yes. and England, right? Yeah. Uh, you have more of a, uh, a socialist structure of government. You have like uh, socialized health care, uh, uh, other, other government programs. America is notorious yes. for being very conservative, right? Very anti-government, low tax state. But it's almost an inversion if you think about it because – Here's what I think causes people anxiety at a roundabout. Here, here's the Steve Van Core. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about theory. You ready for this? That yes. when it comes to a roundabout, you can't turn off your brain. You have to navigate it. You have to be alert. You have to watch, right? And you would think in a conservative society, that's what we would value. Because really, what is a stoplight? But the government telling you to stop and wait. And we tend to be anti-government. And I wonder if we promoted this in America as a freedom, we call them freedom bouts, freedom roundabouts, hey. to say, look, you get to navigate this, you get to do this, and nobody's telling you how to do this. You just got to work to make sure you're safe, because really a stoplight is big government telling you how to drive, when you can go, when you can't. Even if it's four in the morning, there's not a single car on the road and that government's telling you, I want you to stop. If you're in a roundabout, come and go as you please. You think you think I could change that? You think I can get I like that? It, I like it. I mean, to us, traffic lights are a dictatorship. 
I'll the dictator, the exact. To go. Yeah. Where is the roundabout? It's you that chooses when you go, uh, and you choose what the gap in the traffic. And you, it's a bit so. But for the English, it's a bit. No, after you, it's a, it's our decorum. It's it's a, it's a bit like a, an etiquette, English etiquette. You know, no, after you, no, you go first, sort of thing, which is typically British. We don't oh. like being told when to go. Yeah, we're not very we're not very good at that. <laughs> we like to cut in line. <laughs> <laughs> so, so our audience are, are government administrators. How do you, what guidance would you give them to um, uh, begin the process in their community to encourage, at least for new roads, new intersections, the building of uh, roundabouts? What, what, what guidance would you give them? I think my advice would be uh, to check out the research that, that's now currently being done in America of all places, it's America that, that's looking at this uh, roundabout uh, transport system and saying and, and realizing uh, and proving that it's a much better, safer way of uh, filtering traffic. So go to the research; that's all there. I can send you, Steve. I can send you some uh, the people that's doing the research at the moment in America, and they've got all the stats, all, all the fatalities, all the injuries. They're getting all you know how, how, how many uh, roundabouts there are in every country. They've got it all, and it's all been done by America. And I think these councils uh, uh, should be looking at this, this research and taking it on board and start building them. To, you don't have to start big, do you? Just do a, a few, a couple small type roundabouts where it's just one lane going round. I mean, it's so easy, really. So easy to navigate accordingly on a roundabout. Yeah, I, you know, because I know what, what, what generally happens is they have to convince the, you know, the planners first then the council themselves, and then the public. And, you know, if you say we're building this road, I, I, I think we're moving in that direction, Kev, on um, on new new roads and new construction and new areas, because you're starting to see them more and more around Florida. We have, uh, I live in the capital of Florida, Tallahassee, and most of our new roads are, are moving towards more roundabouts. Um, but, and once you have them, like you said, once people have done them three or four or five times, they're like, I love this thing. Right. But we react to the lowest common denominator. The public comes, they start screaming and yelling and we go, oh, so. Maybe could involve the public like Bend in Oregon have done because that place works of art on all their roundabouts. They even do a roundabout tour, the tourist board there, and they're taking tourists around, looking at all the different artwork on, on the roundabouts. Maybe that could entice the American public oh, to okay. get involved. Yeah, yeah. The local schools, they could come up with a piece of artwork that they could put on that roundabout. Yeah, because I'm not a believer that data changes people's minds, you know, but there's some data and saving lives, saving fuel, beautification. But you're right. So you've got different tendrils. You could you could get your green crowd to show them the advantages. You get your public safety crowd to show them the advantages. You can get your art crowd to say this is more opportunities for us to put up public art and display who we are. Yes, I, exactly. I have to tell you a funny story. Uh, we we installed and, and did a major improvement of a new road and uh, Gain Street in Tallahassee. And anybody who's been here knows Gain Street because it's the road from the airport. And they put in a roundabout. It's a beautiful roundabout, and it's right next to Florida State University, which is the home to the Florida State Seminoles, which is a football team, baseball, you know, the whole sports program. 
And our symbol is the, the Indians, right? So they they have a tradition, Kev, you may not know about, where it's before each football game, and I'm talking about American football, not the one where you push a ball around with your feet, um, which is, by the way, becoming very popular in America now, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, uh, they, they plant a spear in the center of the field before each football game. And it's pretty exciting, pretty fun. So the, the Master Craftsman Studio decided a piece of art they would put into the roundabout would be a giant spearhead uh, with a pole and the pole of the spear would be a laser beam going up into the sky. Wow. So this is how ham handed we are. We, we built this thing and they go to turn it on and they realize they haven't put electricity into the roundabout. So now they got to dig things up and put run the electricity. So now they got enough electricity. So they light it up. Yay, big ceremony. We light this thing up because they had to delay their first one. They light it up and immediately they get a call from who? The FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, saying, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, this is an art display where this beam goes way up into the sky. They're like, you're in the flight path of the <laughs> airport. <laughs> So what we now have is this roundabout that only has the tip of the spear, which is a metaphor for so much, right? But we we can't light the, the beam going up into the sky anymore because of the uh, the concerns with uh, the airport authority. So we're still learning. We're still getting our feet underneath. Yeah, at least we're moving yeah. in the right direction. Okay. And yeah. I don't think that's going to make the cover of your of your uh, your calendar next year. So. Um, in conclusion, and and uh, wrap this up because I, you you hit all the touch points. So we got environmental safety. Anything else that you would encourage city managers to look at or to consider, and city, and, and counties because counties build a lot of roads in doing so, especially on the conversion side. I think I think we're kind of in there with the the new roads, but the the, the challenges of converting an existing area. What 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 insights can you give us on on conversions? Again, you've got to look at the research and, and respond to that research because it's important. I'd, I'd go for the green angle because a lot of people are into this green angle now, aren't they? And, and they can be doing their little bit to save in the planet by, by, by installing just flowers and meadow flowers that they can use. Or I mean, you're in Florida. Then flowers would be all year round, wouldn't they, in your climate? Yeah, yeah especially yeah, especially in South Florida. Uh, I just another, what about Walt Disney should put someone on their roundabouts? <laughs> <laughs> to highlight the uh, Disney World and uh, Universal Studios. Oh, man, in the sky's the limit in Florida, huh? For what you can put on a roundabout. We could put wooden, you know, uh, uh, we have a big roundabout with a beautiful, beautiful oak tree, but I did read where one, the tree died and they turned it into a sculpture. Uh, instead of just taking the tree out and trying to replant another one, they 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 did a wood sculpture. Um, it's it's fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Uh, I just uh, the the <laughs> I love your Lord of the Rings title. That's really cool. So what? Tell us a little bit about. I, I want to wrap up with it. Tell us a little bit about the association and what you guys do. Uh, uh, do you have yeah, conferences? Do you do you do you meet with yeah, planners? We do. Yes, we meet up in a local pub uh, every month. And if people have been on holiday abroad, they can bring back their photos and show the uh, the French or the Spanish sort of roundabouts. Yeah, so we we do we do. It's it's quite light-hearted, Steve. It's not too too damn boring, you know. We we all have a good time. So when the wine's flowing, 
So that's what we do. Yeah, we just talk talk about the, the beauty of roundabouts. They're so diverse. So people on their travels can always show, look at that, look at that. We've got one in uh, Otford in Kent. It's a listed duck pond on a roundabout. When I say listed, it's protected. And in the middle of that duck pond, right, there's a little house where all the ducks live. And the locals call it Duckingham Palace. I mean, oh, that's so funny. That's something. Oh, that's the, the, the fact that you can put anything on a roundabout, you know, makes it all so funny. No, you can't do that with traffic lights, can you? Have a, a Duckingham Palace. And what's the difference between a roundabout and a traffic circle? Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, we never invented the roundabout. Uh, a lot of people think they did. But do you know where the first one was? I'm going to guess China. It was in New York City, and it's still there now as a roundabout, Columbus Circle. Okay. Yeah, Ameri- yeah, Americans call them circles. I like one-way gyratories. It's the French that really uh, uh, developed the roundabout, and uh, they picked up that gyratory board and ran with it, and they have some amazing uh, roundabouts. Wait, wait, you said the French invented it? Yeah. Um, yeah that, that, that explains it. Between, it's a debate between America and France, right, in 1903. Uh, and it looks like it was probably America. They never developed the roundabout, but they kept that roundabout in Columbus Circle. Uh, it's amazing when you think about it. Americans really. Well, and, and, and to, to your case in point, why is it called Columbus Circle? Because right in the middle of it is the statue of Columbus, exactly, just like in yeah. Barcelona. And let's not forget the Gyrati Galactico, which is the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. 13 exhilarated exits on that roundabout. Nobody, nobody thinks that it's around about the Arc de Triomphe. <laughs> and, and and so there, you, you're not differentiating between the small little traffic circle and, and the roundabouts. And, you know, and I know some of them are massive, like you said. Some of them are just small little little yeah. areas. They are a little confusing sometimes when you first get in there. But I, I think that's the dilemma is you have to really pay attention. You can't just check out when you... You know, one of my biggest frustrations in driving, and I know it shouldn't be, but you're sitting at a stoplight. The light turns green. The person sitting next to you or a person in front of you is checking their texts and they don't move. And they're sitting there like, ah, ah. Uh, you don't get, you know, so you don't have chance, the downside, you don't have a chance to check your texts if you're in a roundabout situation. You have to pay attention all the time. I, I honestly, I think that's part of the resistance factor is like, oh, I got to, I got to navigate with my neighbors. I'd rather just be told what to do, which is so anti-American, right? We, we, we pride ourselves on our individuality our close locus of control, and we don't want the government telling us what to do. But really, the stoplight is 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 uh, to your point is, is dictatorship telling me how to drive. It's easy that way, yeah. How could I get over to America and try and turn the uh, public side and mood and get them well, to embrace the roundabout? Could I could I go on a, a chat show circuit in America and try and convince people? Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, well, you know, you talked about what is it? A town in Maryland that has. Uh, uh, Carmel, Carmel. Uh, and Carmel. They've got over 100 right in Carmel, but Oligan and Ben, they've got, they've got quite a few now. And they've had a mayor there for like 40 years, and he's the king. He He's the Florida, the American king of roundabouts, and he's converted most of the city, right? Yeah, he's and, very, and the, very popular. The results very, are very phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, he's taking the lead there as Oligan is taking the lead. I'd love to come, come to America as a mission. And try and convert your your your, your people. Uh, try and get your wife and traffic license onto roundabouts. There you go. There you go. Well, Kev Beresford, I, you know it's funny is you call yourself dull, Kev, because you self-deprecatingly say this is not an interesting subject. I found it 
fascinating. And I think it's exciting and thrilling. So I'm going to call you exciting, Kev. That's just what I'm going to do. I'll get drummed out the Dole Men's Club if you say things like that. Dole Men's Club. (laughs) (laughs) Women love it. Women love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Thank you to Zoom for allowing us to have a a conversation across the Atlantic Ocean. It's kind of a wonderful thing. Really, really enjoyed it. It's been really pleasurable. Well, thanks for coming on, Kev Beresford. I appreciate it. This is Steve Vancor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, the service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. And thank you to our guest, the Lord of the Rings. Now, if you have an idea for a future guest, and I think Kev being on should inspire you that we don't just have to talk to city managers. We don't just have to talk to county administrators. If there's other folks you think would provide good and interesting insights and in how to be a better city manager or county administrator, drop me a line at svancor at vancorjones.com, or you can message FCCMA on Facebook. Thank you so much for being with us.